I'm Asan, and this is the Friday Show. Been another busy week in the news for Man City, and joining me to look back before we look forward, I have got the Athletics Sam Lee. Morning, Sam. Morning, mate. How are you? Yeah, all good. All good. All Excellent. good. End of the week, nearly Christmas. Can't complain. Excellent. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. Really looking forward to uh, to next week. I actually thought that I was finishing today, but I'm not. I'm not finishing until Monday, which nah. re- really, really, really hurts because it's a lot of Christmas parties tonight that I can't go to now because oh. I'll spend the weekend writing. So, Oof. yeah. It'll all be worth it in the end, mate. Yeah, you, definitely. You're going places, don't worry. Definitely, definitely. I don't know about definitely about me going places, but I hope that it will be worth it in the end. Um, anyway, look, forget about that. Let's talk football. Uh, I've got a few opening questions for you. I think what I want to start by doing is just talking about the piece that you and Ornstein have done in The Athletic this morning regarding uh, Rodolfo Burrell taking over from Mikel Arteta, changes in the summer, all that kind of stuff. So look, to begin with, um, there was obviously a story earlier in the week that Burrell was going to go with Arteta. Was that ever on the cards? Um, well, I don't know. Um, this, I saw the story yesterday morning that Burrell was going to go, and I was like, "Whoa!" Um, but yeah, it took me it took me a while. But then in the evening, two people got back to me and said, "Burrell's staying, and he's going to get more responsibility, and they won't bring anyone else into the summer." And then somebody else messaged me about I don't know twenty minutes later saying, "Nobody's going, nobody's staying, uh, nobody's going, nobody's coming." So mm. there we go. I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know where the Burrell thing would have come from. I don't know. I always thought. That would, I always thought it would be surprising when I saw it. Like, I saw the main report Thursday morning, like I say. I thought it would be surprising because I thought, I think it was a difficult uh, decision for Arteta. It was, you know, I think he, you know, he feels a bit, a bit, I think he was a bit in two minds about it because of his loyalty to Pep and, and City and that kind of thing. So that's one part of it. And then I think, would he compound that by, you know, taking another one? Because I was thinking on Wednesday night, I was like, imagine if Burrell left. Guardiola turned up for training. He turns around and it's just Brian Kidd, basically. <laughs> yeah, like that is you've you've lost a lot of of coaching experience there, haven't you? You've lost you would have lost a lot. So I thought I thought I thought it would surprise me if if Arteta were to ask, and also if Burrell were to go, because it would be kind of leaving them in the lurch. But yeah, by all accounts, that's not happening. So it's that's not so bad for City. You know, losing Arteta is is not ideal. But I was speaking to my editor yesterday morning. And I was like, losing both would have been like something else entirely. Mm, absolutely. Um, before we... So there's a couple of other things. Firstly, from the Arsenal City political point of view, um, what's the problem here in terms of the the stories of Arsenal not talking to City, City haven't heard from Arsenal, compensation hasn't been agreed? Like, underneath what's going on, is there just a bad... Um, kind of, I don't know, like, is there a bad relationship between the two clubs or is this just kind of normal stuff that has been blown out of proportion? I don't think there was a bad relationship previously, but it certainly seems like there is now. Like, certainly City are pointing out there that they're really pissed off with Arsenal. And I know in some of the papers on, on Friday morning, they were saying, you know, Arsenal have made that direct contact, but, you know, City, City have been, you know, started off on Monday saying, you know, this we're really not happy with how this has been going. And then by yeah Wednesday night after the Oxford game, there was a lot more. They were like, 
there was you know words like livid and that kind of stuff and there was source quotes that you know the men run so you know that's kind of hmm. officially endorsed by somebody in the communications department so it's weird that they're they're so pissed off about it um but then it's also with Arsenal saying we have done it the right way. But yeah, they are, you know, at the same time, they're also negotiating a compensation deal. But, you know, City are pissed off about it. It's not just a, it's not just a comms thing. You know, part of what I was told last night was, you know, City feel like they're getting a good deal out of it because, you know, you don't want to piss off Cheeky and Ferran. So it's not just a comms thing. It, that is the reflection. They are, they are pissed off, but it's, it's a weird thing. I, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where it's come from. Mm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure why they're so keen to get it out there. It just seems. Oh, just... I don't. I don't know why they would be so keen to put it out there about Arsenal if it wasn't true. It just like City, like City aren't getting into like waging a war with Liverpool over the whole hacking thing. And it's like, if you wanted an open goal, you could talk about the hacking thing to the cows come home if you wanted. But they haven't said a word. But now you've got Arsenal, and you know they seem to be going to town. So I don't know what would be in it for them if it wasn't true. Mm. Um, are you a little bit, I mean, I guess that from my point of view, the thing that surprises me is these stories that they're livid at the same time as the kind of feeling that they love Arteta and Arteta is a lovely guy. And, you know, he gave a big emotional speech and they took him to Oxford, even though they knew that he was leaving and all that. It just, something doesn't quite marry up for me. If you're annoyed at the way that Arsenal are handling it, surely you're annoyed at the way that Arteta's handling it as well. Yeah, that's 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 what I thought, to be honest. Um, I'll be told the relationship's fine between them, but, you know, Arteta hasn't done anything since Tuesday. Not like he's given up, but they've just like, right, don't do anything, don't don't bother, you know, your usual coaching duties because you're obviously leaving. Mm. And then, yes, effectively... The Oxford, you know, going to Oxford and doing all the pre-match stuff, apparently that was just for show, basically. I don't know what the motives were for that. Apparently that's the case. So that's a weird one. Um, but then, I don't know, it just feels like if, if the relationship, the other side of it is, if, if the relationship was that bad, like between Pep and Arteta, and like I said, I've, I've been told it's fine, but if it was bad, you'd just think, there's no point in going to Oxford. There's no. no point in going. You could just say, well, he's in talks with Arsenal and it, you know, yeah, no, no, so absolutely. That's, that's I mean, all you need. So it, I don't know. It's weird. So I don't know. I'm kind of. I know. I know exactly what you mean. And I'm thinking, you know, because when City was saying, "Oh, you know, Arsenal haven't been upfront with us," but you know, Mikel has. And I was like, "Well, how long ago?" They were like, "Mikel has been upfront with us the whole way through." And I was like, "Well, how long's the whole way through go back? Is this a couple of days or a couple of weeks or what?" They're like, "Oh, we don't want to get into that." I thought, okay. I think the other thing is very simply is look it, from from Arsenal's point of view if they've if. They, the football world works like this, right? If, if Arteta has turned up and he said, listen, I want to go, I'm considering an offer from Arsenal, then City have been informed. And uh, it's just, it's weird. I don't know. Like there's something. Well, no, I think that's, that's Mikel saying of, in that case, if that were true, then that would be Mikel saying, oh, I'm considering an offer. And City would be like, okay, well, we'll wait to hear from Arsenal then. And, you know, feasibly that could be the case and nothing has ever come through. Yeah. Absolutely. But then the thing that I don't, I mean, maybe this is just a, a negotiating thing or like a business thing, but at what point, you know, at what point do they discuss negotiation, uh, discuss like compensation and bargain for that over, you know, with, without a formal approach? I don't know. I can't, I can't quite work it out. Mm. Um, and in terms of potential replacements in the summer, um, have any names been floated? No, I mean, obviously you'd, you'd have seen the same as me on Twitter. There were, 
there was Sabi Alonso rumours. Um, there was a a bit of that, you know, with colleagues, colleagues saying, you know, he he's a name they like, um, and you know, they, those those rumours had come about as well earlier in the week. Um, but obviously, he was rumoured to go to Arsenal as well, and I've got a colleague who knows him quite well, and normally, whenever he sent him a message. He's replied, and this time, you know, he, got, he was asked about Arsenal. He didn't, you know, didn't reply. Turned his phone off. That kind of stuff. It's like, oh, that's interesting. Um, I know a mate who knows players at Sociedad, and they were saying he'd already asked them before I had a chance to ask him. But they were saying they don't know anything about it. I mean, Alonso is a name that makes a lot of sense, um, but you know, it just it depends on. Well, if it, if it were to be City, I don't know. It kind of makes sense that he wouldn't leave his job at Sociedad's youth team midway through the season, you know, maybe the end of the summer wouldn't, you know, the summer would make sense. But also, you know, he might have his own ambitions to go into coaching a bit sooner and, you know, there might be something elsewhere coming up. But in terms of names, no, I mean, Van Bronckhorst, I haven't heard about this whole this whole way through. I asked someone and they went, I, you know, I don't think Van Bronckhorst has ever had much to do with the first team so far. Um, I always wondered if that idea of nobody going and nobody coming in wouldn't apply to him because he's already kind of there. But see, but then the answer to that was, well, he's not been involved in the first team. So seemingly not Van Bronckhorst either. Okay. Um, and, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be like a big, obviously because it was Mikel Arteo and he's got this big reputation and, you know, as a player and also a coach, you know, there's, there's people kind of wanting, it's almost like a transfer. You know, you need to go and get another big name like Xabi Alonso or, or Xavi Hernandez. But I don't know. It could, it could be anyone, you know. They could be they could be coaches at other teams. Um, I don't know, but it seems like yeah, the summer would be the most logical time. Okay, okay. Um, so then the other bits. Oh, well, actually, firstly, very quickly, what are the char- what does Rodolfo Burrell bring to the first team? Um, you kind of touched upon it in your piece. What's his personality like? How's he rated by the squad? How is this transition? Is there going to be a transition? Will there be an effect? Well, I mean, no. In terms of a transition, no, because you know, he's he's been there as long as Arteta has anyway, and he's been at the city for longer. Um, you know, he he does a slightly different function. I had to write the piece at very short notice last night. It took me about thirty five minutes to do it. So I would, and I wanted what longer to get in touch with people to see what Burrell actually does beyond what I've put in the article and I'm still I'm gonna have those conversations this morning. But you know, one of one of his jobs is basically a lot of youth focus. Um so, you know, he helps identify the players that should be around the first team more often. But obviously on the training ground he's also he's involved kind of on like the the player communication side and working with the players and, you know, taking that burden from Pep kind of thing. You know, Arteo's more hands on in terms of the actual coaching, Burrell is more kind of, you know, getting those messages across and making sure everyone's all right, that kind of stuff. Um, obviously, now the kind of set pieces thing is going to... Everyone knows Mikel does the set pieces. Um, obviously, now that'll be changed slightly. I'm not sure if if Burrell is going to take those on or they'll leave it to the the new coach, Nicolas Jova, who came in. Um, the interesting thing with Burrell is, I mean, he's, he's well-liked by all accounts. and You know, he, he's popular and he, he gets on well with the players, but just not as well as... As Arteta, you know the Arteta's the players took to Arteta much more than they've that they've taken to Burrell, which is interesting because you know Burrell's role is primarily kind of player focused, but that just goes to show how good Arteta is, I suppose. Mm. But in terms of more responsibilities, you know, I'm hopefully going to be finding out a bit more today about what he's at, what he has done because there hasn't been there hasn't been much written, even in you know Paul and Lou's book, there wasn't there was very little written in there. Yeah, um, and he's always kind of 
Yeah, the focus has always been on Arteta, hasn't it, really? But mm. Rightly or wrongly. Okay. But they've um, got the same job. They've both been assistant managers, but with different responsibilities. Well, I guess the thing with the thing with Burrell is that he's always been, well, he's been very highly rated for a long time. So um, it, it's almost a surprise that he's always worked with youth teams uh, and has never kind of gone and taken assistant manager's job. Unless I'm mistaken, he's never done an assistant manager's job. Um, so yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what, what impact or effect this change does have. Um, okay, so look, the other thing from the piece in The Athletic is transfer stuff. Um, and kind of you and David alluding to the fact that Guardiola... So there's two, there's two parts to this which are it seems are connected in the story, and that is that Pep wants three players in the summer and... The the piece no, seems not necessarily three. That was just areas. That was three areas. Again, you're not. I'm not going to get the transfer plans within half an hour. But no, but there's three I, areas that need looking so, at. So there's three areas that they but. that they want to look at in the summer. Yes, at least. At, okay, so there's at least three areas they want to look at in the summer. Um, when you when we look at the. The way the the way the piece is worded, you get the impression that somebody somewhere has said that for Guardiola to sign a new deal, he'd like the squad to be refreshed with three or four players who basically walk into the best eleven next summer. Is that a fair way for me to crystallise what that piece says? Uh, I mean, I'd, it doesn't say three players. Well, it doesn't say three players. It doesn't say players that need to walk into the eleven. Um, it's probably a fair assumption. Um, the the idea again, it was a joint piece, um, and I can't, you know, I, I could tell you the kind of stuff I've heard about why I've gone with the coaching stuff and who's coming in and who isn't or whatever, because um, you know I, I know the sources on that. The other, you know, with, as far as the transfers go, it's no. I mean, I mean, when when we mentioned a left back, people are like, a left back. What? No surprise, you know. Everything we've ever said over the last few months, Chilwell nearly happened. Then it didn't. You know, they couldn't sell Mendy. They thought in the summer they could get someone else in January if they really needed to. But obviously, with the squad thing, it hasn't happened. I mean, Angelino is not particularly good, so it's no surprise they want a left back. But yeah, so and what Guardiola said the other week, you know, on the day he said, "Oh yeah, I'm open to staying for longer." His point was. When you're together for five years, the most important thing is, you know, your message is still getting across and he was getting that, in my opinion. From, and based on what I know, what he said in the past, you know, you need, you need to freshen things up a bit, which is what he wanted last season as well. So it's no surprise. And I was fine with going with this. But yeah, what David Ornstein dropped into the chat was from his sources, you know, Pep wants big changes. Um, and the feeling is from, Ornstein sources and like I say I, I don't know who they are so I couldn't go any deeper than than that but the feeling is that from them if he gets that then he's more likely to see out his deal you know I, I think he will anyway David thinks you know it's kind of in a balance and like we've had this conversation before I can appreciate why people think that um, and he's obviously very well connected but the other thing is certainly in terms of extending his contract it would depend you know as Guardiola said himself the other week it would depend on get, getting these changes to the squad and making sure it's fresh and ready to go again. You know, the focus is there and all that kind of stuff. How do you think this kind of uncertainty plays um, within the squad? Because that seems to me to be a very uncertain position. I think that 
coming into, in the run-up to what will be, on paper, Guardiola's last summer at the club. Um, to have this sense of, well, everything's up in the air and he could leave in the summer and he could leave at the end of his contract and he could get three new players and then again, he might not get some new players. Do you feel, and I'm, I appreciate I'm putting you on the spot, but I'm interested in your opinion. Do you feel that City behind the scenes know exactly what they're going to do? There's a plan and they'll just execute it? Or do you think there's real uncertainty behind the scenes, maybe for the first time since Guardiola came in? Well, I mean, in terms of transfers, you know, they had a clear idea what they wanted to do going into last summer and it, it didn't happen, you know, with the whole Maguire thing and Otamendi. And, you know, if you go back into not the summer, but April, you know, Chilwell was on it as well. So there can be a plan and it not happen. So, you know, they they can know what they want to do in that sense. But it, might, it might still not happen. And in terms, in terms of Pep and whether he stays or whether he goes... Um, you know, one way you could read into Arteta going is the fact that there, there obviously hasn't been a conversation about him taking over in the summer, uh, unless, unless they've said, okay, Pep is leaving in the summer and it's not going to be you, which seems unlikely. I don't know, maybe, but yeah, that that would be one fair assumption to make. Um, there may not be any uncertainty behind the scenes. Like I say, the kind of the closest sources that I can rely on say he's going to stay. You know, in terms of conspiracy theories, I'm kind of thinking, are they just saying that because they're so close to him and, you know, they don't want the truth to come out? But, you know, like I've said before, you've got to kind of take that at its word. So, yeah, the sources closest to Pep say he's going to stay and I'm, I'm sticking with that, but I'm open-minded to the idea that he might go because there's so many other, you know, people, people I know, people, you know, colleagues know who are saying, you know, it's in the balance, so... But bro, how do you plan for next season if that's the case? I mean, I guess this is what I'm trying to get at, that it's dead easy to to be on the fence about it, but we're talking about a billion pound organisation. Who's on the fence about it? Well, it, it seems like you're saying on the one hand that the sources that David's got are probably trustworthy, so there probably is a bit of uncertainty. Maybe people aren't quite sure whether Pep's going or he's not going. I'm not asking you to speculate on that. What I'm trying to... I want to get away from Guardiola and his contract and just get into the wider conversation about 18 months from now, two years from now, and squad planning. And, you know, I mean, the reality is that we look at the squad and Vinny went last summer. So we've got three centre-halves. Otamendi feels like he's not fit for purpose and will probably go next summer. So there's work to be done. And you would think that they have to have conversations with players and with agents now because they tend to do their work in advance so for me what i'm trying to get at is are they planning are they doing this work with almost two plans you think one if pep stays and one if pep doesn't stay or do you think they're just working on the pep stays plan and then if guardiola wakes up on may 31st or whatever it is and decides actually i don't want to be here anymore they'll just move with it when it happens well, this this is what I'm saying, mate. Like, I, I'm not answering. You know, I can't give answers for you know this level of what Begiristan and Soriano and Pep are thinking. You know, in terms of sitting on the fence. If if you mean me, then what? I mean, what do you want from me? You know, no, I no, haven't no, got no, all no. the answers. Don't, don't. I really wasn't. Uh, I wasn't saying that you're sitting on the fence. I'm. I mean, it, it's fair to say that there is uncertainty regarding. Guardiola's future or at least there's a conversation about some level of uncertainty regarding Guardiola's future so in that sense the whole the all of the media 
I kind of sat on the fence because everybody's saying that he will, he's saying he'll see out his contract. And yet everybody is still saying that there are stories that he will leave in the summer. And I think that what you say about. Yeah, but I mean, that's just, that is natural though, isn't it? Like nobody has got all the answers. You know, I, like whether it's other people in the media or, or me or, you know, David Ornstein or whoever, you know, we can only go on the connections we have got. And, you know, I'd like to think that we've got good ones. Um, I'd like to think I've got some of the answers, but nobody can know the full plan. You know, we can, we can speculate here about what they're doing, but it would be unfair to take, take the point of view that, you know, City are, are uncertain or, or they don't know what they're doing or, you know, they've got one plan or maybe they've got two plans or whatever, because, you know, ultimately, Nobody, nobody knows exactly what they're doing. Like, like I was saying, they might, you know, Chiki and Ferran and Pep may well know that Pep's definitely going to see out his contract at least, and they're working towards, and they're working towards it. I know what you mean. There's other sources going by. Uh, sorry, there's there's other sources saying suggesting it's a bit more up in the air, and people don't know. But what I mean, you're just going to have to kind of. This is this is the job, really, for the purposes of conversation. It's fine, but this is the job, really. You need to work out who you trust and yeah. who you go with and and take it from there really you know i don't think in terms of, and you know if it was even if it was in terms of you know sitting on the fence fine like like i say i've been told by you know two two very reliable people close to pep he's definitely going to sit out his contract um so like i say for you i, I would say for this conversation, I'll say I'm going to go with that. But if I was going to write an article saying Pep Guardiola is definitely seeing out his contract, I'm not going to do that because things change. You know, things change. And, you know, are they maybe too close and are they maybe protecting the fact that there are other plans in place? You, you can never, you know, you, you can never know. Maybe that uncertainty, maybe this uncertainty that's coming out is, is my uncertainty and I'm transmitting that wrongfully. But at the same time, you know, that, like I say, there's other people who are well connected and not just kind of making it up or thinking from the outside, you know, that um, there's, there is some uncertainty about Guardiola, but the other way of putting it is, you know, if there's two, if there's two sources I've got, or, you know, sources that David Altine's got, and it comes down, we need to, to put a joint article together. How would that look? Because I'm going to trust mine. Yeah. You know, David, David's great, but I don't know who his are. And, it's, you always get the sense that you know people can be close to a club or around a club, but they can be subject to the same kind of thoughts that aren't necessarily true as anyone else. So you know, people, you know, fans can look at it from the outside, or journalists can look at it from the outside, going, "Oh, Pep doesn't look happy; he's going to go." You know, people who can be close to the club can think that as well. So I'm going to go with my sources on it, but you know, I've you know I've got to be conscious that I'm not always right, or my sources aren't always right. Um, and there's, there are other options. I, yeah. I, I just I don't know what to tell you, mate. I don't know what to tell you. That's all right. I mean, I'm 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 not looking for definitive answers. I'm. Uh, I think it's. An, I just think it's an interesting conversation because um, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't remember in England this level of fervid speculation about a manager's future for quite some time. Um, not not a manager who is relatively successful, if that makes sense. Uh, I think obviously when. If you look at Pochettino and what happened at Spurs or Mourinho and what happened at United, I think it's slightly different when the results really nosedive, but hasn't really been a nosedive in, in results. It is, it does feel pretty unique to Pep, um, the, the speculation that's around at the moment. But anyway, look, I, pff, we've done it to death. Um, last piece of speculative, 
uh, stuff. Cancelo to Valencia seems to be a story. And then Cancelo to Bayern even was a story in build. Is Cancelo going anywhere in January, in your opinion, Sam? I not in my opinion. I asked, I asked somebody yesterday who would know, and he was like, why? He was like, why would that happen? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So I'm kind of, I'm leaving it at that for now. Okay. Um, it doesn't make any sense. You know, City, you know, people are going, oh, why do we sign Cancelo? Well, Danilo wanted to go, so you, you, you get rid of a player who's unhappy and you bring in one that's, you know, a, an international and supposedly really good. Obviously, he's not shown his form yet, but three years ago, Sane wasn't looking very good either. So I know Cancelo's more experienced, but even so. Um, it takes players a while to adapt. Uh, but do you think they're going to get rid of a right back in January and then find another one, with, which is what they had to do in the summer anyway? And they found someone they were willing to spend 60 million quid on and they go, well, actually, he's shit. We're going to find someone. It, 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 I, it doesn't make any sense. But I mean, these stories, and you know, usually like the local Spain papers are good. You know, normally local papers all over Europe, apart from in England, actually, are, are really good. They're close to what's going on. They know what's happening. And then when Super Deporte say, oh, Valencia having talks or whatever, you think oh, that's interesting. So, I mean, again, I, I'm, I'm going to go with my source and be like, I can't see it. And also logic says it doesn't make any sense, but I am interested to think, where's this coming from? Yeah. There must, there must be a reason for it. Um, maybe it's a bit of agent. I don't know. Mm. I mean, Mendez is his agent. I think Mendez is pretty heavily involved with but he's Pete. really tied in with City isn't yeah, he so. yeah but Peter Obviously he's also Valencia, really tied yeah. in with Peter Lim who is he's tied still, in with everyone let's be honest yeah that's true that's very true um, okay cool look um, very briefly quick chat about Oxford just looking back City through the semis against United thoughts on the game the performance um, well Thing is, like you could you could look at it and be like, oh, City had the same kind of problems in terms of conceding chances and being more open than usual. But at the same time, I mean, what kind of team was it? So, you know, Oxford were incredibly motivated for it. City probably weren't, but you know, they, they went and you look at the chances they scored. You know, the the two Sterling ones, just great chances they created. You know, he couldn't miss. Um, so, did yeah, were quite open. Didn't play particularly well. Um, but you know, two eighteen an eighteen year old centre back and a seventeen year old centre back, um, a left side that kept changing, which I thought was really interesting and could work in some games if you can get that right. But it just didn't seem to actually do much on the night, which was weird. Um, yeah, Cancelo at right back, I don't know, whatever. Um, and yeah, Foden looked good. Oxford were probably better second half, but. It's weird because it's like, I know Oxford, oh, you know, they gave a really good account of themselves, but as somebody watching City, and as I tweeted, I couldn't go to the game, I was just watching it on TV. Um, I didn't, I didn't actually feel like City were in that much trouble. I'm not sure. Maybe I wasn't that hooked into the game, but mm. it just, I, I just didn't feel like for all the, the chances Oxford had, I didn't think City are struggling here. Whereas, mm. you know, when I was at the Chelsea game the other week, and I can imagine it being the same against Leicester, I can, if it's that open, I'm going to think City are in big trouble here. But I just didn't get that sense the other night. And like I said, you know, it was a much changed team, young players. I don't know. It, it's just one of those. Yeah. It's one of the least consequential games of the season. Just be happy with the win and move on. <laughs> you, you can't really, I just don't think, you, like, you can't read too much into it. Yeah, you can say, look, it looks like the league games where they're giving up chances. But, I mean, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure there were games when, last couple of years when City had been really good. You know, the Wolves game in the, in the Carabao Cup 
in the season when City got 100 points. They conceded loads of chances on the break, but it was completely unrepresentative of that team, wasn't it? Because it was a completely different team. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then just looking ahead to the semi-final, um, the big question is going to be about team selections. Do you think that the fact that it's a derby against United will affect the team that Guardiola picks? Yeah, I think so. Mm. Um, not And not because... Because, look, to be honest, if you get to the end of the season and City have only won the Carabao, no one is going to be saying... Oh well, we won the Carabao Cup, so it's all right. Um, but I just think the significance of having to beat United now to get there is going to make it a bit more like, okay, we need we need to go and do this. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And you know, look to be to be honest, like apart from a couple of times a season, Pep normally does play strong teams. You know, it was Burton last year. Foden didn't start, did he? Like it was a really strong team against Burton in the first leg. So you know, if you go strong against against United it wouldn't be a huge surprise it, it's just whether it's going to be the kind of Otamendi and Stones and Cancelo and Gundogan kind of strong or whether it's going to be Stones and Fernandinho and, and Walker playing right back and um, Rodri in midfield and De Bruyne and Silva and that's strong but it's it's going to be pretty strong whatever happens it's not going to be he's not going to be playing Howard Bellis and Garcia at centre back I wouldn't imagine yeah. but he hasn't really anyway so mm. okay Excellent. All right. At so, that stage of competition, sorry. That's all right. That brings us nicely around to this weekend and the trip to Leicester City. Um, before we look at Leicester, how do you think City are fixed? I mean, you know, are we sufficiently past the abhorrent derby results? Do we feel that we're more ready for a game like this now? God, no. I really don't think so. Um, all the players were kind of swearing blind that um, they didn't change the the system too much at Arsenal, <laughs> which is kind of like okay, maybe they they genuinely mean it in terms of well, we always try and play on the front foot. You know, we play the same kind of combinations, and it just depends on you know if one person moves in here, one person moves in there, blah blah blah. But it was like it it did seem like a much more different shape. You know, the whole double pivot experiment was supposed to add protection to the defence, but I, I'm comfortable in saying that hasn't worked. But it feels like the double pivot has now got the protection of three players in front of them. You know, the the other pivot alongside Rodri hasn't got to defend and attack quite so much. They can focus on minding the shop a bit more. And you've got De Bruyne up there who's still creating the chances and you've still got two wingers. You know, it, that, that shape seemed to work. And obviously you've still got the striker ahead of them. That shape seemed to work quite well. They seemed to be pressing in a different shape. You know, it was Jesus first and there was three behind him. So it wasn't the two that, you know, was kind of easily bypassed and then the midfield were kind of, you know, left with a load of space. So, you know, but the other side of it is, you know, City did look good, but the other side of it is it was Arsenal. They weren't pressed, you know, they were pressing, but not particularly well. You know, they were... They were high up, and it gives City a couple of headaches. But like I tweeted at the time, not 20 minutes or 50 minutes in or whatever it was before they scored the second goal, I was like, if City can get past this, they'll be absolutely fine because there's a massive space to get into. I, I just think Leicester are much more organised. Leicester, they can press. It'll be interesting to see whether they do or not. I think they probably will. I think they can win the ball back and they can break quickly, um, whether that's on the edge of their own box or on the edge of City's box. Um a lot of City's problems this season has been giving the ball away in stupid areas and then being caught out with players all over the place. So again, having that double pivot back there will help. I think that's still got a bit bypassed against Arsenal. Um, and yeah, I, I really don't think City have moved on too much from that Derby defeat. And, you know, Leicester are a better team than United. I don't think they'll... 
I don't think they'll dig in quite so much, but I think they can be much more dangerous. Um, I think City will be up for it as a big game, but earlier in the week, I was, you know, for two weeks, I've been thinking they're going to lose to Leicester. And then earlier in the week, I was thinking, no, City, they'll come up with something, you know, there'll be a way to get in behind Pereira while he's attacking, or, you know, there's something like that. Or maybe it'll be like the Chelsea game where they don't play particularly well and they'll win. But I'm coming back towards Leicester. I don't know. I just think. Leicester have got the perfect setup to play against this City team. You know, City have shown so many problems in so many games this season, even in games when they've won. And just Leicester are the perfect team to to exploit that. I'm kind of stunned by that negativity, to be honest with you. I don't really know what to say now. Um, okay, Boy, so... it's not gone away. It's not gone away. Like, when have, when have City, apart from the Burnley game, when have City played really, Listen, really I, well? Listen, I'm, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm really, I'm not going to argue with you. City haven't had enough good performances in the last two months for me to to argue with you. Um, maybe it would be worth spending just a moment focusing on Kevin De Bruyne's performance against Arsenal and whether the way in which he was used against Arsenal may be a roadmap towards being better against Leicester than they were against United. Yeah, like, like I said, City looked much more comfortable, you know, Gundogan and Rodri could stay further back and not have to, you know, the other one with Rodri didn't have to worry too much about going forward as well and then being caught in opposition and not, you know, not contributing to the attack as much as they should, not contributing to the defence as much as they should. It didn't really work. Like I say, but look, it looked better against Arsenal and De Bruyne was further forward. He was focused on creating. And again, I mentioned that Chelsea game. De Bruyne didn't even have his best game, but he was still mm. his best player and carried the fight. So if they can get him in those areas again against Leicester, that that will be fine. You know that will be. I think that will be good for De Bruyne, and it will get the best out of him. But I, I, I'm not sure it's enough. You know, so I did a TV thing the other day, and they said, you know, how how important is De Bruyne to Man City if they're going to track down Liverpool or whatever it was? I was like, well, not really, because last season when the system was working, the the blunt truth is City got by fine without De Bruyne when he wasn't playing. But this season the the system isn't working, so they really do need him. But Leicester are that good a team, I think, and maybe I'm over overestimating Leicester a bit and their ability to go to City and put on a performance. But I think Leicester are too good to be unpicked, even by an individual performance from De Bruyne. I know, obviously, against Arsenal he was great, but like I said, they they were allowed a lot of space to break into once they broke that Arsenal press. And as I said, I don't think Leicester will leave. You know, I don't think that Leicester will put four men to go and press the defenders and then leave a massive space in midfield. I just think they'll be much more organised. I just think City looked better against Arsenal, but a lot of it was the fact that Arsenal weren't particularly good and they were a bit of a mess. And I just think Leicester are better than that and it's going to be much harder for City. Okay. Um, if you look at our record against rivals this season, it it doesn't feel great. In fact, it's pretty poor. Um in a way, then, does that add the, how do I say, I don't want to say pressure, but does it become even more important that regardless of the performance, City get three points against Leicester? That almost the result doesn't yeah. come into it psychologically with everything that's gone going on and that's gone on in the last month. What they need to do is just go there and by hook or by crook, come home with the three points. I think so. I mean, normally with City, it's... A- you know, it's always and with Guardiola, it's always about the performance as much as anything. But you're right, like the week they've had, and yeah, like you could see how much it meant to them that Burnley game. It was almost like they were like, oh, "Thank Christ, we can still do it." 
Um, but then, you know, the setback against United was a bit like, okay, we've still got problems here. And yeah, I just think they're, you know, they're, you know, I've written pieces before. They're kind of confused about what's going on in terms of their problems as we are on the outside. You know, it's just little factors here and there. And they're thinking, oh, this shouldn't be happening. You know, we're better than this. Um, and it's not like, you know, it's all gone to part like at other clubs sometimes. You know, they are still, they are still wanting. They are still trying. It's just not happening. So yeah, I think a result allow that Chelsea game would be really important now but what comes with that is look after the Chelsea game it wasn't a corner turned for City was it you know they still went and dropped points and that was the start of their their big period where I I always thought you know City needs to still be within nine points ten points of of Liverpool on you know New Year's Day and they can't drop any points in these six weeks but they have after after that Chelsea game so yeah they do need the win but then they can't go and have these problems at Wolves on Friday otherwise it's almost pointless. Well, I mean, look, uh, without being funny, it's already almost pointless in the sense that I, I don't know many people who think City can win the title from here. So unless... No, but in terms of like the rhythm, you know, in term, that's what I mean. You know, the, the, it's important. The, the result is important in terms of the motivation of the players, the rhythm of the players, the happiness of the camp and all that kind of stuff. But then, yeah, if if they don't build on that with a better performance at Wolves and look more like them, themselves, then it's pointless. That's what I mean, you know. So you've got the Newcastle win where they won and it was a good win when they didn't play well. And you've got the Burnley win where they won and played really well and they were really happy about it. But then it was like back to square one against United. And that's what I mean about the mood of the camp. If if they win, if they're lucky to win tomorrow against Leicester, for argument's sake, but and they're, they're kind of, oh, yeah, we needed that. But then they go and lose to Wolves. That's what I mean. It won't mean anything, regardless of points. It, just in terms of the performances, the motivation, the mood, all of that. It, they need to win by hook or by crook, but they need to build on that and they need to start playing well soon. Is Aguero fit? I'm not sure, actually. I'm not sure. <laughs> enough, out, enough else going on this week. He has been training, hasn't he, since the start of the week. Mm. Um, I'd be surprised if he started. Okay. And uh, what about Stones? Where I believe that he trained yesterday, didn't he, with the team? Oh, did he? God, I did about four articles yesterday. I'm not sure. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think there's pictures of him training with the team. Again, it's probably too soon for Leicester, but um, at least he's recovered. I half expected him to be out for for most of the uh, Christmas period. Um, so if he if he is recovered, then that will be uh, that will definitely be something. Um, just looking at the key kind of selection issues uh, in terms of going to Leicester, fullback wise. What what do you th- what is your feeling, Walker and Mendy? Walker, yeah, because of the pace and the break and all that kind of stuff, and he's a bit well, he's more reliable, isn't he? At the moment, the Cancelo in Pep's eyes, I think left back, no idea. Zinchenko probably, if if he's fit enough to do it, which presumably presumably everything he did in midweek would have been geared towards playing at the weekend. So I would say Zinchenko. Yeah, hundred percent. I thought his performance. I think he looks he looks fit enough and ready. And and my gut feeling when I saw him when I saw the fact that he'd actually lined up at left back, I immediately thought, yeah, I kind of understand that. I think I said it on the review that I just think that he's probably been the most stable and the most consistent of the options at left back, and I suspect that they want him back. Um, so yeah, it will be interesting. And Leicester were linked with. With Zinchenko a few times, weren't they? Do you remember that? 
I remember Wolves and Fulham. I don't remember Leicester. Yeah, Leicester Maybe. will link, Leicester will link with him at some point as well. So um, it'll be interesting to see uh, to see if he does line up. Uh, what about the number eights? Uh, has David Silva recovered from the knock that he took a few weeks back? Again, on injury wise, mate, I don't know. I've not asked anybody this week. I don't know what's going on injury wise. Uh, and again, even even if so, will they go back to the number eights or will they stick with what they did against Arsenal? Interesting. You get the, you get the feeling with Pep. He's just gonna, that was just an Arsenal thing, and he's going to change it around. But it looked much better, didn't it? It that did. That shape against it looked much better. There was much better balance. They were harder to play through. I mean, Arsenal still did get through them a bit, but I, I, it's, it looked more solid. And I would do it again, but I just get the feeling with Pep, he won't. I don't think he um, will either. And then if so, I mean, it's going to be De Bruyne. No, I don't know. He, he has to surely because he can't look at it. And think, okay, I'm going to play Rodri, and I'm going to play Gundogan next to him, and have him going up and down, doing neither one thing nor the other. Mm. And then De Bruyne can carry on. I just don't think that hybrid six and eight role works, and I'm yeah. surely he's realised that now. So maybe he will stick with it. And if so, then I don't know. Will Silva have to do that left-sided role that Foden played? I can't see Foden playing again because of the minutes. You know, he came off against Arsenal. I was taking a piss at the time, saying, you know, one more goal and they can take Foden off for Oxford. But that is genuinely the case. Like, he can't, he's not physically developed enough to play 90 minutes three times in a week. So they did take him off so he could play against Oxford. Yeah. Um, but then that would suggest to me he's not going to start against Leicester. And then would they play David Silver on that left hand role where he's sometimes he's outside, sometimes he's inside? He could do it. Foden didn't really produce, provide width, did he? He was just there to kind of fulfil those roles and Silva mm. could do that. So it's an option. I mean, maybe they could use Zinchenko there, which is kind of where he spent some time against Oxford. Do you but think, then you need a left-back who's any good and they haven't got any. Do you think that Bernardo could could play there with, with Mahrez starting on the right of the front three? Um, well, I mean, again, Bernardo and Mahrez are both on the bench at Arsenal. And maybe if you brought Bernardo in instead of Foden from that Arsenal game, then you could stick with Jesus um, up front and Sterling on the right, with obviously Sterling coming inside again as well. If they if they were to stick with that system from the Arsenal game, then yeah, I suppose you could put Bernardo in it. Yeah, he's an intelligent player. Okay, fair enough. Um, but I really don't know what he's going to do. I really don't know if he's going to stick with that or not. I think he should do, but... Yeah, I just don't think... He, I mean, my, my gut feeling is that whenever Guardiola's made that kind of what feels like a one-off system change, it's always been a one-off system change. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I guess the four-two-three-one that that we kind of begun the season with was the new system for Rodri, or, or when they adapted that anyway to give Rodri a bit more protection. But other than that, I don't really remember Guardiola straying too far from the four-three-three. Um, and I don't know, like... It just depends upon how he views Leicester, whether he looks at Leicester and he goes, they need a bespoke tactical setup to get beaten or whether he looks at his 4-3-3 and his, you know, his trusted lieutenants and goes, well, if I put you out there, you should beat them. It will uh, it'll definitely be interesting. Um, okay. <laughs> no, no, I don't want to ask you for a score prediction, Sam. I'm afraid of what you're going to say. But- I think Leicester are going to win. I really do. Interesting. Well, and I mean, how often? How often do? How often do, does it get to that stage where I haven't got faith in City? Even where I'm like, they're not playing well at the minute, but I still think they'll win. I don't know. I just think Leicester are really perfectly set up to beat them. I st- obviously, like I said, I can still see City doing it. I can. St- I was thinking during, earlier in the week, you know, they're going to come up with something. But I just think Leicester are are really good. They're going to be really motivated for it. I think City have got 
you know, their problems and unless that Arsenal system is stuck with and works well, I don't know, I could just see Leicester having too much. Maybe maybe it comes down to one of those days where it just comes down to a team who takes their chances, but it just seems like Leicester take their chances and City don't even take theirs. So I really do think Leicester are going to win. And their odds are ridiculous. 7-1. to one. I know City fans aren't going to be betting against City, but... Oh, I don't know about that. I know a few City fans that like to bet against City. Oh, okay. Well, they... I mean, seven, seven to one, that is a Christmas bonus and a half, that. <laughs> Excellent. Right, you heard it here first, Blues. Uh, City going to lose I know, I mean, I, I know. The thing is, you can't even do predictions these days because like, if you ever put something on Twitter, just like an honest, oh, I think this might happen, it doesn't happen. You just get a million dickheads saying, ah, you twat, you don't know what you're talking about. But I don't know, I just really genuinely think that Leicester are, are set up well to win this game. I don't I've, think they've got better players. I don't think they've got a better eleven. And I said, well, it's quite close actually. But I just think the weaknesses of the city have got and the strengths that Leicester have got. I just I can see the pattern of the game going in Leicester's way. Whether they take their chance or not, I don't know. If City if City turn up and batter them, absolutely fair play to them. And I go, <laughs> I should never have doubted them. But I just I just can't see it. I think City are going to slap Leicester tomorrow night. To be perfectly honest with you, Sam, I'm, uh, I don't think that it's as much about. I I, I appreciate. Um, the discussion that we've had about inconsistency, and I think that you're right, there has been a kind of deep-rooted inconsistency, both in the collective and in a lot of individuals. But I almost feel as though we tend to snap out of, under Guardiola anyway, we tend to snap back from difficult moments with a performance. And weirdly enough, I view this week and all this Arteta bullshit as a relatively difficult moment. And I think that Pep will not be naive to the fact that he's going to Leicester and Leicester will be a very difficult place to go to. And if he doesn't win, there'll be a lot of stuff written and lines will be drawn and, you know... Hold on, the game is at the Etihad, isn't it? Sorry? The game is at the Etihad, isn't it? I'm going to need the car if it's not. Oh, wow, is it? I thought it was... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fucking hell, mate, if you... If it was at Leicester, I'd be saying 100% Leicester are going to win. <laughs> wow. Sam, did you really just predict then that City are going to lose at home to Leicester? Wow. Okay. Okay, fair enough. Um, I'm even more sure now that City are going to win. Um, I can't believe I thought it was away. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, look, I mean, I just think that the, the, fa- the fact that we're at home for me... Um, yeah, I, I, I expect a performance and, and I appreciate the fact that like the way that Leicester play on the counter-attack, a little bit their kryptonite to City. But I think that we kind press of... press well and they cut through the lines really well with totally. direct passing. Totally. It's just, they're just going to, that's going to cause City all kinds of problems. Newcastle yeah, were I, doing it. Yeah, but I, I think that for me, the, the, the other side of that, and I... I appreciate what you're saying and I appreciate that as a, you're not a City fan, right? So you have to be objective and you kind of have to look in a way at the bigger picture. I don't really need to do that. I'll look at 198 points over two seasons. I'll look at the collection of players that we'll put out on the pitch and I'll go, yeah, no, fuck off. City going to win it. Like we've got better players. We've got a better manager. Like we're, it's very difficult to, particularly in home games, to sit down put all the information on paper and go, yeah, no, City can't get over the line here. I know why you, I appreciate totally why, not just you, I know many neutrals are kind of looking at this game and going, yeah, City are probably going to come unstuck. And maybe this is one of those moments where come the full-time whistle, I look like a trump because everything you say comes to fruition. But I just find it 
so difficult to bet against this collection of players. And but this and- this is what I was thinking. You know, what I was saying like I've had it in the past where oh they're struggling, but I think they'll do it. I thought exactly the same thing about the derby. Mm. I thought, look, United are going to be very stubborn to break down and they'll, they'll play on the counter-attack, which will cause City problems. But, you know, it's City and it's United. You know, City are, you know, City have got a great record. They've got all these great players, you know. If they play like they did against Burnley, so, you know, I never criticised Guardiola for sticking with that system after the Burnley game. I was like, what you, what you need to do is go for it, you know, with a 4-3-3 like he has done in the past, like he did at Burnley, like he did for the last two seasons. Go for United. It will be it will be difficult. United will have chances on the counter-attack, but City will create enough chances. They'll take them and they'll win. And then I was I looked at it and obviously just the way the game panned out, it was like, yeah, City really have got problems breaking teams down and on the counter. And I just think... Can I ignore that again against Leicester? I mean, the way, the funny way the, the football was going to go, City will probably win, but I just think, I, I just can't ignore the, I can't ignore those warning signs, basically. Okay. And Fair enough. yeah, if I were to say City would win, it would basically be based on just what you've said. Look what they've done in the past and look at the players they've got. But if I'm looking at how the game, the pattern of the game should go, I just can't, yeah, I can just, I can see Leicester having so many chances. If they take them or not, I don't know, but I can, if Leicester turn up and don't do anything, I'd be amazed. Okay. Fair enough. I think that they will do something, but I think that uh, City get over the line. I think slapping Leicester is a, is a big ask, but for me, as long as they get three points, they've slapped Leicester, that's fine. Um, right, Sam. Hey, listen, mate, thank you very much. That was uh, fascinating as always. No, yeah, no problem, mate. A uh, lively t- discussion. Uh, always a lively discussion with you, my friend. Um, to everybody who listened, thank you very much. This was the Friday show. City play Leicester at home tomorrow night. Don't listen to me. I always turn up unprepared. Um, but I do think City will get over the line. Uh, have a lovely weekend. And as always, be safe, be well, and up the blues.